Praise the Lord. A lot of life is about positioning ourselves for the things that we're believing for. And uh, most people drift through life and act like a victim. God wants you not to be a victim. He wants us to live in a position where we position ourselves for things to happen in our life. Amen? And I just love it. I've got to, I've got to tell you this again. And uh, I shared it this morning. I've got to tell it again because God's wanting to pick, get into our mind and our heart about these things. But uh, um, Bill O'Donnell, you know Bill O'Donnell, about 85, 86. And uh, he's, he, wouldn't, he would not be the, the wealthiest person in the church for any manner of means. Got no visible income as far as I can see except benefits. And uh, he said, I, you know, my car crashed last year and I got 3,000 insurance payment. I want to actually support 10 orphans. That's 300 a year, 10 orphans. And I said, well, what about next year? What's going to happen next year? And, and perhaps you should do, you know, a couple over five years. And we're trying to talk around this. He said, no, no, ten. And I said, okay, ten it is. And uh, so anyway, uh, he did this and he, he uh, sewed the whole offering in. The whole lot came in. He just sewed it all in. And then he came up to me this morning and I said, well, this Marks. He said, I've got a bit of cancer on my skin there. got it somewhere. And he said, I got into the doctor to get treated for it. And the doctor told me, you're eligible for a benefit. I said, uh, what, what sort of benefit? He said, oh, I've got a special benefit. He said, it'll bring me in about 170 every fortnight, which when you add it up for the year, ends up with more per year coming in to support the orphans than what I gave away. So he'll have money left over. So he gave, and he can still give, and he's still got money left over. Is that awesome or what? Isn't God a great God, eh? A miracle. And he's tapped into a financial flow. I think it's awesome. He's, he's actually... Having stepped out in faith to do something, now has tapped a flow of money that'll just keep on going while he's alive. Isn't that awesome, eh? Isn't that a good miracle? Come on, you've got to see God. You've got to connect that kind of thing with the message that was preached a week ago and a month ago. That if we take what we have and make it available for God, then the blessing of God can come round it and God can do extraordinary things. Amen? But we've got to be in a place of faith. Once you look with me in Hebrews 11, going to go back. I just want to pick up uh, an area that was uh, started on last week. When I was away, I felt, now we need to lift the faith level in our lives. And so I come back determined to do something on that. Then last week, uh, Dave McCracken spoke on, uh, on faith. So I'm just going to pick it up again tonight. I want you to, uh, if you weren't here this morning, get this morning's message, because if we're going to move forward and trust in God, you have to deal with in your life the things that cause you to be distrustful. Most people, uh, the Bible says this, when a man's foolishness messes his life up, he blames God for it. And most people in their heart blame God for everything. So you notice, interesting, people who don't believe in God, when something goes wrong, says, how come God let it be? And uh, so you find that in, in the heart of us, we, we need to be established in faith. That's what it says in Hebrews eleven six. 6. Uh, it says there, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I have this in my diary every day. I'd switch it on. The moment I switched it on, this next part would come up. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God rewards those who pursue him. But it requires that there be faith in our heart. This morning we spoke about the difference between faith and hope and the whole area of disappointment, how it impacts us. And uh, so I want to tonight just talk about the faith of Abraham. And I want to pick up a couple of aspects of the faith that Abraham had, how it connects with us, and then I want to stir and challenge us to begin to start to think about making a difference. How many were inspired by the story of Abraham last week? It's a great story, isn't it? Eh? It's not a story, it's a true thing. It's something that happened to a man who believes. So faith, we saw last week, was a conviction. Conviction in your heart based on hearing God. The Bible says faith is a substance. It's something you have, you know it. You just know and you know and you know. 
So you know it, and you know it. It's the substance of something you've hoped for. So we have a dream, we have a vision, we have hopes, we have expectations. But when we hear God, a conviction comes, this is what's going to happen. And uh, that's the kind of life that pleases God. You can't please God unless you enter a relationship where we trust Him and trust His Word. Where we trust God is a good God, God plans good for us, and even if this bad stuff happens, God is able to work it for our good, and we end up advanced through it. I have learned over the years that no matter how bad the trial, how bad the upset that came, God could always cause us to end up better afterwards. Why? Because God can breathe into dead people and make them come alive. So it doesn't matter what situation you're in, God can breathe into it and make it come alive, even if it looks like it is impossible. So I want to just talk a little bit about Abraham. Let's read down there in verse 8. Abraham, by faith. I'd encourage you over the next few weeks to read Hebrews 11 over and over and over and over and then pick out all the names of all the men that the Holy Ghost singled out and go read about them. Just take one at a time and read their story. You're you're reading about a man that the Holy Ghost took time out to write down in his list of people of faith. It's like Paul's writing, writing about faith, writing about men who please God. And then he starts to list different people who please God. I encourage you, go through and identify everyone that the Holy Ghost identified. They're there for a reason. There were lots of other people of faith, but every one of these, some aspect of what they did is relevant for us. So let's have a look at Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out of a place that he should receive afterwards for an inheritance, obeyed. He went out not knowing where he went. Where are you going? Don't know. By faith, he traveled in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith. That's what it says. By faith. Abraham, when he was called to go out. The Bible tells us very clearly, Abraham, when you read over, lived in a, in a place full of idolatry, he lived in a nation of land which was uh, overwhelmed with idolatry. And in the midst of that nation, Abraham had an encounter with God. God touched his life in a very personal way. God is a personal. We need a personal encounter, a personal touch of God in our life. And when God touched him, God spoke to him. God always does something. He always has a purpose in what he does. And when God spoke to him, God began to unveil to him a destiny, a plan that God had had in his heart long before anyone ever thought of Abraham. The Bible tells us in in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that God likewise for you and me has a plan that he worked out long before you entered in the earth. It says we are created in Christ for good works. God's got something he wants you to do. Not just think about, not just agree with, but do. We're created in Christ under good works which God prepared long before you were born that you would walk in them. So there are things God has planned for you. Things that God has planned for your life. Now, Abraham, it doesn't tell you anything about how the encounter took place, but somehow, probably out of a heart that was hungry for the true and the living God, he began to reach out, and in the, in, in the midst of his reaching out, God made himself known to him, and God spoke to him and called him to make a response. And the Bible says, by faith, he responded. Now, listen, this is what faith is. Faith is a conviction. Absolute conviction, I've heard from God, and now I will act on it. A lot of people say they believe in God. No, they don't. 
They believe about God. The Bible says the devils believe in a God. They all know there's a God. It doesn't do them any good. They do not have a living faith. They just believe God exists. But it doesn't do them any good because they do not position themselves and people do not position themselves to respond to God by obeying what he said. Notice what it says of Abraham. He heard and he obeyed. And God called. I'm going to look at what God spoke to him. But I want to pick up why Abraham is so significant and so important and how he connects with us. He was fully persuaded that God had spoken to him. He had a conviction in his heart that God had said something to him that was more important than anything around him. It was, more, it was so important to him what God said to him, he was willing to leave everything for it. Think about that. What did God say to him that was so important? Why would a man upheave from his family, from everything, and begin to go on a journey where he's not sure where it's going? Why would he do such a thing? You have to know something. You have to have been told something by God and have come into something very, very valuable, or you're just a crazy person. So what God told him, what God spoke to him, and his understanding of what God was saying so changed him that he responded and he paid a huge price. Now, when we look at the life story of Abraham, you'll find it's a, a thing that I like about Abraham is he didn't do everything right. He had a lot of mistakes on the way. He had fear in his life. He sometimes yielded to the pressure of fear. But in the New Testament, it calls him a man who believed God. And he is called, as we'll see shortly, the father of faith. I want to just have a look at Abraham's connection to us. Uh, and wherever you go in the world, of course, people know about Abraham. And I want to have a look in Galatians chapter 3. We're going to come back here to Hebrews. And I want to give you about seven or eight traits or seven or eight qualities of Abraham's faith. What actually he did. And we're going to see that God's called every one of us to do the same kind of things. Not to leave our country, but actually to make change. So let's have a look in Galatians. We're going to do a little bit in Galatians. So I want you to come look with me in Galatians. Okay, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, and in verse 29, it says, If you belong to Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then it says, you are Abraham's seed. In other words, the Bible tells us, when we receive Jesus Christ, when you and I open our heart and life and recognize we've walked a life without God, we've run our life independently, when we recognize that God sent Jesus Christ into the earth, that by faith in him a man could be saved, that the power of sin could be broken, when we receive that Jesus Christ into our life, there's a lot of things happen. One is the power of sin is broken. Two, the debt of sin is canceled. Three, we're delivered out of the power of darkness, but God positions us. Most Christians spend all their life struggling and wrestling over the issue of sin because they've never really got a hold that God actually wants to position you for something. He didn't just, God doesn't spend all his time worrying about your sin. See, God considered the sin of mankind and sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sin. God wants us to deal quickly with the issue of sin and begin to move on into the purposes. So when you receive Jesus Christ, God considers on that basis of your faith in him that your sin is canceled. You're now right before God and now God positions you so you can receive something. God is interested in you receiving. He wants you and positions you to receive something. And notice what it says that when you, are, you become to Jesus Christ, you become the seed or the offspring of Abraham. In other words, in God's eyes, he considers us to be the descendants of Abraham. Why? Because Abraham, we'll see as a moment, was a man of faith. 
And when you and I become a person of faith, we then become a descendant of Abraham who was a man of faith. Now, we know, of course, in the world, there's a lot of people who are natural descendants of Abraham. We know that the uh, Jews are descended from Abraham. We know also, as we'll see a little bit later, that all the Arab uh, peoples are also descended from Abraham. And that we'll see why that conflict is there in just a moment. But we realize there's masses of people naturally have descended from Abraham. But the true descendants of Abraham, the one that God considers his seed, are those who've put their trust in Christ and become men and women of faith. So notice what it tells us. When you come to Christ, God positions you now and calls you. He calls you something. You and I are a descendant of Abraham and an heir. An ear, not hearing ear, an ear means you're entitled to receive an inheritance. I can remember when my grandmother died and the lawyer called us in for the reading of the will. Oh, it's so exciting. The drama of it and they going to those stuffy lawyers' rooms and they bring this thing out and go through it. And of course, you know, you know what's in your heart. And don't you think you'd be any more, you, what's in this for me? What are they going to say is going to be my right by inheritance? And so they read, and they open up the will. This is the last will and testament of, da, 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 and then they go down, and they begin to say, and how the estate is going to be dispersed. And so the people who go to that meeting are the heirs. Other people didn't go to the meeting. The only people there were the people named in the will. And the people named in the will, as the will was read, or the, la- the last will and testament of, that's what they put it in legal language, the last will and testament of, then those people named in there are all legally entitled to receive something. And so we were there because, one, grandmother had died and we were related to her, and two, there was a will, there was a testament in place, and legally we're entitled to receive something. And so to receive it, we had to turn up. One, we had to be positioned as the heirs, and two, we had to turn up to take possession of it. We had to turn up there, and then we had to position ourselves to receive. That was quite an exciting time. I thought it was wonderful. It's just a very exciting, what are we going to get? You know, how much money? Don't you tell me you don't think that way. I know you're looking at me like that. Of course you'd be thinking the same way. You know, you don't know whether there's a couple of hundred or several thousand or hundreds of thousands. You don't know, do you? Never really know. But it's interesting. But you see, the whole thing is that when we receive Jesus Christ, we're positioned as the descendants of Abraham legally. And legally there, we have then access to an inheritance. But I wonder what the inheritance is. See, what a shame if you were legally entitled to an inheritance and you never ever bothered to get it. That'd be a shame, wouldn't it? That's actually where most of the church today lives. It's probably where most of us are living right now because we don't understand what we're entitled to. We don't stand up and go and possess it. If you don't know that you're an heir, if you don't know that an inheritance is yours by right, you'll never stand up to claim it. You spend all your time wrestling over sin issues instead of actually standing up and positioning yourself to be a son of God, a descendant of Abraham, and an heir according to the promises God made to Abraham. So we need to study the life of Abraham so we begin to find out what things God said to Abraham. And we'll see how relevant they are. Now, of course, there's a lot of things in the Bible. I've just condensed it down just to give you a few high points just so we can pick some things. So number one, we see then we are a descendant of Abraham. And then we are uh, Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So God promised something, okay? Now, I want you to follow down in Galatians chapter 3. Let's see if we can find it in another spot there. Uh, Galatians 3. We're going to look down now in verse 6 through to verse 9. 
Galatians 3, verses 6 through to verse 9. Now, I want you to see something else. How many know that Abraham heard the gospel? You see, you're not sure of that because we think the gospel is preached only in the New Testament because our concept of the gospel is very limited. See? But the Bible tells us, look what this says here. I want you to read this. Come on. It says here, verse 6, Now, Abraham believed God, and that was accounted, or God considered it to be enough to give him a right standing before God. Abraham believed God. And it says, now, know then, those which are of faith are the children of Abraham. So here it is. Abraham didn't run around trying to do lots of things. Abraham believed if God said certain things, God could be relied on. And so he entrusted all of his future to God being faithful to the promises he had made to him. And that made him a man of faith. He didn't trust his own ability. He didn't trust, try to work things out. He trusted that if God said something, it would come about. And so he committed his life. Now, you notice it said God spoke to him to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and he did it. He, there was a change in his life because God had showed him certain things. I want you to see what God had shown him. Okay, notice it says here, now know those which are of faith are the children of Abraham. Now, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? You're not sure. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Have you trusted life in him? So therefore, are you a child of Abraham? You sure? Yeah, of course you are. You're a child of Abraham. Don't get all so wrapped up with the natural Jews. You remember, you're a child of Abraham through faith. Those who be of faith are the children of Abraham. There's a natural seed. There's a spiritual seed. The spiritual seed are the descendants of Abraham by faith. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a child of Abraham. Okay, then. And it says, verse... And uh, Now, notice it. Now, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached before the gospel to Abraham, saying anew, all the nations will be blessed. So they which be of Abraham are blessed with the man of faith called Abraham. In other words, the Bible knew, see, God knew all along what he's going to do. So when God spoke to Abraham, this is what God said to him. He said, now Abraham, he said, I will bless you and I will make your name great. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And he said, and in you and your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Now you say, well, I didn't hear gospel in that. No, that's actually the gospel. God intends to bless every nation of the earth. God blessed that all men could be saved. How does he bless them? By turning them from sin and bring them into relationship. What happened in Abraham... He believed God, and now he had a standing with God as a child of God by faith. In other words, this has not ever happened before. This, this man, Abraham, came into a relationship with God where he believed and trusted and became a friend of God. And out of that relationship of believing God, he was entitled to certain promises. So the Bible tells us he was the one who first heard the gospel. The gospels preached to Abraham. In fact, actually, when you look in the Bible, the gospel is the heart of God for all peoples of the earth. It was first said in a seed form to Adam. When Adam fell, God said, I will send a savior. I'll send a redeemer. He made a promise of it and even gave a picture of it, slaying the animals and clothing them with the animal. And the animal's blood was shed that the people might be clothed. See, all the way through the Bible, God's plan has never, ever changed. He had no second thoughts. You're not his second thought. God had in mind that through a man, a nation of people would arise called the people of God and they would go and they would bless the world. 
And so when God said, through your seed, all nations of the earth shall be blessed, God's plan was to bless Abraham and his children, and through them, they would be a channel of that blessing to the earth. That's the gospel. God wants to bless us that we can be a channel of blessing to the nations of the earth. That's why we go out. That is the gospel. The gospel's got to be preached every nation before Jesus comes. So Abraham heard the gospel. Did he hear about Jesus Christ? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us all of the things, but we do know he was called to offer up his son and that God then provided a sacrifice and God then confirmed the promises that were made. So Abraham was a man of faith with a relationship with God and God made promises to him. What are the promises that were made to Abraham? Because they are relevant for us. Let's have a look at Galatians 3 verse 14. He said in verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now notice this. He says, I want the same blessing that's on Abraham to come on every person. Abraham was blessed in everything he did. He actually became a very wealthy, very prosperous, very blessed man. Everything he did had the touch of God on it. He became so prosperous that people wanted to make agreements with him to come into covenant with him because he was an influential man. Why was he influential? Because he enjoyed the blessing of God. And the Bible tells us that God had in mind that not only would Abraham be blessed, but the same blessings on him would come upon a people who believed in Jesus Christ. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in him, God legally positions you and says, you're one of Abraham's children because of your faith in Jesus Christ. This is what you're entitled to. Number one, a standing with God. You are justified by your faith. When you trust Christ and Christ alone and what he did, it's enough to make you right with God. When you become justified solely by your faith, just by believing that God's provision is enough for me. I don't have to add anything to it. I can come to God on what Jesus did to me. You are positioned to be blessed. That's the blessing of Abraham. And with it and making it possible to happen, you receive the Holy Ghost. Now, when the Spirit of God comes on you, the Spirit is called the Spirit of Adoption. It positions you as a son of God, a child of God, able to arise and be an heir with Jesus Christ, the true seed of Abraham, to receive what God has for us. See, God puts His Spirit in you, and the Spirit of God tells you in your heart, if you listen to Him, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. God loves you. God's with you. God's for you. You belong to God. You can live in the presence of God. You can carry the blessings of God. God is your Father. You can talk to Him as your Father. You can receive His favor over your life in every area. Listen to Him. Become a son. Let Him train you. Let Him speak to you. Like He spoke to Abraham, and Abraham obeyed. See, Abraham's held out as an example, who's a man who listened to God and then did what God said. And we're the same. We're children of Abraham. We want all the blessings, but you actually have to walk with God to obtain them. We have to grow up. You can be a child. Notice, I notice this, that a child, usually while a child, get this, a child, when they remain a child, can't usually access an inheritance. Think about that. Just think about that. Naturally and legally, if a person's a child and say, say, say your parents die and they left, say, half a million dollars. And here you are and you're about 10. Are you going to get the half a million? 
Well, legally you get it, but it's held in trust until you grow up. And when you come to a certain age where you're mature and you recognize you're responsible, then it's released to you. Now, what we want is we want everything from God without growing up. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You're entitled to it. You say, well, how come I haven't got it? Oh, how come I haven't got those? You've got to grow up. We have to grow up in our lifestyle of being a son to the Father, of being a son of God, of pleasing God in our lifestyle, what we do. We're going to see what Abraham did in just a moment. Okay, now let's have a look in Galatians 4, verse 13. I've got, got that one, 4, 4. Let's see if I can find it here. Galatians 4. No, it can't be Galatians 4. Maybe it's Romans 4. It must be Romans 4. Here we are. Romans 4 and verse 13. Here we go. Romans 4, verse 13. Now, what was it that Abraham was promised? Get this. The promise that he should be heir of the world. Heir of the world. Oh, there was a James Bond film, The World Is Not Enough. (laughs) I want more! (laughs) But do you realize that to Abraham was made a promise of the world? He was actually promised the world. Now, you know naturally that God's people were promised the land of Canaan. The natural Israelites are promised the land of Canaan, but the true spiritual heirs are promised the world. Think about that. What does that mean? We're promised the world. And that promise of the world, are you, can you find it in there anywhere? I, well, you go and search and you can see anywhere where it was promised to, to Abraham, he'd be given the world. But the New Testament says very clearly he was promised the world, the promise that he should be heir of the world. Well, it's found in Genesis 12 too, where it says, he said, you will be a blessing to nations. Now, what, what it means is this. If you have a look at the world, it's made up of a whole variety of different nations. And within the nations and within every culture, you have about seven different aspects that make up the culture. There's medical and health area. There's the arts. There's the media. There's the education. There's the political system. There's, uh, there must be one or two others that I've, I've missed out. But there's about seven different areas which make up a culture. And God's plan is that he would have a people called the people of God, the children of Abraham, positioned in every nation all through the earth, and they would arise and become the prevailing influence in those areas. And when you become the prevailing influence of it, you've actually possessed what you were entitled to. Now, here's the thing. If God has positioned you somewhere in this community, you are an heir by positioning or by inheritance of it, but you've got to rise up and possess it. You have to understand this. Most people are waiting around for God to do some great thing. God's wanting you to stand up and start to believe who I am in Christ, what is given to me in Christ, and now I'm going to rise up and begin to make it mine. Think about that. So the promise he'd be heir of the world. There's many aspects of how it'd be fulfilled, but the minimal one is this, that the people of God, a born-again people loving Jesus Christ in every generation and every part of the earth would start to arise and would begin to start to make the, the, the presence of God and his ways felt everywhere they go. In other words, penetrate every aspect of community, every aspect of community life, and bring the presence of God, bring the blessings of God, bring the supernatural life of God, bring the favor of God, so it's evident that walking God's way is the way to actually get success. 
That's why God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your relationships, wants to bless your finance, wants to bless your health. Why does he want to do all this thing? Because he wants to position you so you can go out and do something for someone else. He's wanting in every nation to have a people that will invade the earth. Now listen, the natural Jews know that they have an area called Israel, an area of land over in the Middle East. There is a conflict over that, of course. You can't help but see that there's a conflict. Why is there a conflict? It's not because Abraham didn't believe God. It's because he tried to help God out. And you know the story? That a long time went and there was no fulfillment of the promise. And so he started to wonder, well, how am I supposed to work this out? You know, I don't see this thing happening. You know, what should I do? And his wife comes in and says, why don't you sleep with Hagar? Oh, what a good idea. I might just do that. You know, you're not bringing forth any children. And, and why not? That's a good idea. You know, my wife suggested it too. Well, that's not bad. So he goes and sleeps with Hagar. Hagar has Ishmael. And then Ishmael grows up, and those of you who realize or know a little bit about history know that Ishmael is the father of all the Arab nations. And God spoke over him prophetically, he will be great and he'll be the father of many nations, or many nations will come out of him, but he'll be wild. And everyone will be against one another. That's why he can't bring any peace. The issues in the Middle East, of course, are spiritually based. That's why you can't, there's no peace plan going to solve it. I can tell you now, there'll be no peace plan going to work. Absolutely certain. Why is there no peace plan going to work? Number one, because the Arabs will not agree with one another. They will fight one another because it's, prof- it's spoken prophetically in the word. You just have a look how they go. They do. It's just in the word of God. And, and, and see, uh, but the other thing is, too, is there's a conflict between the true seed and, and the seed by, by, uh, by man's own efforts. Ishmael was a total disaster. And right to this day, you can see the consequence in the life of a believer when we try and take over from God and get things done in our own way. There will always be conflict. Every time you open the paper and read in the papers, and watch on the television, and you see the Philistines, oh, Palestine, Palestinians, you see, the, you, you see the various nations over there at war with Israel, you need to realize this, that the conflict is really because a man tried to bring God's plan into being in his own effort and own energy and own strength, and it produced nothing but sorrows and conflicts. God's plan was that the Jewish people would fill the whole of that region and area, and they know it. That's why they argue about giving up any land. And the people or the descendants of Ishmael are equally antagonistic and determined to destroy the son of promise. So there's a conflict there that only God can solve. It cannot be solved by any government because it's spiritual in nature, it's prophesied in the Bible, and it goes on until there's only one will ever be solved, and that'll be by people coming to faith in Jesus Christ, whether they be Jew, Arab, whatever. Because those who have faith in Jesus Christ are the true descendants and the true inheritors of the promises. Notice what it says, the promise he will inherit the earth. Okay, so how do you inherit the earth? Well, number one, you've got to have an inheritance, and number two, you've got to possess it. So get this. If we're the children of Abraham... And we're heirs to the world. What part of the world are we in? Well, we're here. We're here. We're in Hawke's Bay. So what part should we arise and begin to have influence in? Why Hawke's Bay? This is where we should have influence in. This is where we should begin to arise. We need to begin to understand that God's called us. See, the, the city doesn't belong to the devil. It belongs to God. He's an occupier of the city, the devil. But we're to drive him out because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's. Jesus created the earth. Then he redeemed the earth. It belongs to him and he's left it to us. 
So when you look at the school and you see drugs and you see alcohol and you see all these problems, something inside you should start to rise up and say, the devil's invading my inheritance. I've got to drive him out. I've got to, we've got to become a prevailing influence for good to bring people to Christ and to the blessings of God. Now, just doing good programs is a great way to influence people. But the only lasting change takes place when their hearts are one to Jesus Christ. Then they're positioned for the blessing of God to be upon their life. You say amen to that? So in every nation, God calls people to invade. The arts, the media, education, finance, politics, science, health, whole deal. Okay, now let's just get these simple characteristics of Abraham. I'll just go back in the Hebrews 11 and we'll pick them out just so quickly. Here they are, very simple things that he did that made him the man of faith he was. Now he heard God. Has anyone here heard God sometime? Okay, let me just give you the, a list of seven things that he did as a result of that. It says he heard God by faith. Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place that he should go and receive an inheritance, obeyed. He went out not being sure where this would lead or what would all happen. By faith, he traveled in the land of promises in a strange land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Number one, he heard God call him to a destiny. Number one, he heard or encountered God, and he heard God call him and give him a purpose for his life. Have you heard God call you? Have you started to understand there's a purpose for your life? And that purpose isn't just to go out and work. It isn't just to live. It isn't just to survive. It's beyond just going to school. That calling is a calling to follow Jesus Christ. The second thing we notice is he went out. He was willing to make changes in his life. When you come to Jesus Christ, there are changes you've got to make. You're going to have to get out. Now, I'm not talking about a physical getting out. When people get into this thing, you've got to separate from the world, and that means you've got to not have anything to do with them. That's, uh, just, that's incorrect. It's not in Scripture. What requires is that God wants to separate us in our heart from old ways, old things. You have to let go. They say, hey, you don't go partying anymore. Yeah, that's right, because I've left that. I'm out of that scene now. Hey, you don't come and do this kind of stuff anymore. No, I'm out of that scene. I'm into something far better. See, you've got to start to get to realize God brings you out of something you might bring in. God isn't interested in taking stuff away. He's interested in moving the stuff that's hurting you to bring you into something that's going to bless you and not only bless you, but he's going to bless generations through you. It's intergenerational. Listen, there are people ahead of you. Notice it says of, uh, I'm going to head on myself, it says of Abraham, he dwelt in tents with, uh, with uh, Isaac and Jacob. Now you try and find where it says that in the Bible. Try and find it. I know he was with Isaac because Isaac was his child. Let's see if you can find it where all three of them were there. You see, the dwelling in tents meant he was continually open to change. Tent is not a permanent dwelling. He never settled down and said, okay, I've done it. I've come far enough. All his life he traveled. All his life he was on a journey with God. There was a risk-taking element in it. He was uncertain of what it would all be, but he trusted God would bring him into blessing. So you notice, number one, he heard God. Number two, he responded to God. He changed his lifestyle. He made adjustments in his lifestyle. You can't have God and the world. You've got one or other, but you don't have them both. The next thing is, notice it tells us that he traveled. He traveled or he traveled, he kept on a journey. In other words, he continually was open to change. He, he took risks. He took risks, not quite knowing where it would all go. You take risks. I've been out to places not knowing what would happen. And, you know, even this last week, you know, have 8,000 people out there. My God, I've never been in front of 8,000 people doing that before. I don't know what's going to happen. 
you go not being quite sure what's going to happen, then you know that God is with you. So there's a risk-taking element. Notice constant change. And notice here there's a focus on the eternal. He was with, uh, he was with uh, the Bible says he dwelt in a tent with Isaac and Jacob. Now listen, the blessing on his life became his child's and then his grandchild's. Now, of course, you're a young person, you don't even think that way. But I'll tell you now, you will grow up, you will marry, you'll have children, and you'll have grandchildren if the Lord doesn't come. And your choices today determine whether they will enter the blessings of God or not. You choose. In a church, there'll always be three, there should be three generations, grandparents, parents, and the next generation, teens and young people. God's plan is for the church always to have three generations in it. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, the grandparents, parents, and the children. Three generations. What you've got to realize is that Abraham's decision had intergenerational consequences. When people get, when people, I'll be careful how I say this, when people get bad attitudes about the church of Jesus Christ because they got in trouble or there was something happened or someone tried to correct or adjust them and they walk away, what they have successfully done is robbed their children and grandchildren from blessing. They've not... See, the thing is, if you're going to walk with God, you've got to position yourself for blessing. You've got to stay in a place where life is flowing into you and you are a part of that life to others. And what I have seen over the years, which has brought more grief than anything, is people and God was... They were walking with God and they came to a point and they turned back, they turned away, they got offended, they did this, did that. And you know what? I saw their children go off the rails. Uh, that, that was the worst part. And I thought, you're just so crazy. You're not thinking straight. You don't realize your children hear that negative talk. They hear what's going on there. You're stealing their future. How foolish. Just over a little offense. See, it's always intergenerational. So Abraham, Abraham, what is his faith like? He heard God. As a result of hearing God, he obeyed. He did what God said. He adjusted his lifestyle, made changes. It changed his relationship, changed his location, changed all kinds of things. He took risks. He, uh, he, he never quite sure just how it would all go, but trust that God would work it all out. He was in constant change. He was willing to keep open to change continually. He had an eternal perspective. Now, the last couple of things is found in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Just finish with this now. Romans chapter 4 and verse 19 and 20. This is the last other things I want to bring out about Abraham. Abraham's a great man. I love the way he messed up on the way, and God still calls him a man of faith. I like that. Notice what it says here. And it says, uh, verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body now dead when he was about a 100 years old. Ever heard a 100-year-old man having children? Not often, is it? And neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God said, he can do it. Here's the next thing he did. He ignored natural limitations. Here's a man whose body virtually sexually is dead. His wife's dead as well. And here it is. God's told them they're going to have a child. He ignored the natural circumstances. He did not let what he saw naturally become the thing that determined his future. Every day, day after day, he called himself 
I am the father of nations. My name is Abraham. I'm the father of nations. I wonder what you say about your life and about who you are. I wonder what you're confessing and what you're speaking. Are you speaking God's word over your life? Are you speaking what God says about you? Or are you looking at your natural circumstances and your circumstances have got a voice that says cannot, cannot, cannot. But something inside you got God's word says I can, I can, I can. God said I can. God said I can be an heir. Listen, he got a creative miracle. He received to create a miracle. Why? He considered not as his body now dead. He staggered not with unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Second thing we see about the next thing we see about him is he continually praised God and believed that God, if God had said it, he could do it. Now you understand, as a result of his faith, he was able to bring into the earth a creative miracle. Now you have a look around your life, your circumstances, the environment you're in, it needs a creative miracle. It needs God to bring something about which you haven't seen. You haven't seen your friends coming to Christ, it needs God to bring that to pass. You haven't seen people being healed, it needs God to bring it to pass. You perhaps haven't seen your friends being delivered, it needs God to bring it to pass. Listen, you can go on a trip overseas and see it, but it still doesn't bring it to pass here, what brings it to pass here is if you believe, because all things are possible to him who believes you need to know, I am called into the community, I am called to bring the life of God there, you say I don't see it, I don't see it, I don't see it in New Zealand, no you don't see it, you don't see it because it isn't there, what it takes is faith, that God's speaking to us, that we can see it here and not elsewhere only, God wants you to see miracles through your life But to see it, we have to be like Abraham, who heard God and said, yes, Lord, and changed his lifestyle completely around God's call for his life. And then he began to walk with God, listening to God. He took risks. He went where he wasn't quite sure how it was all going to work out. Think about it. That's the life. That's the life of Abraham. He's the father of our faith. He believed that if God said he could do it, he would be able to do it. And he was fully persuaded if God said something, God can do it. So what is God saying to you about the part of the community you live in? About your workplace, about your life, about your marriage, about your finances, about your children and grandchildren, about what has God been speaking to you about? Will you possess it? You see, he had to possess what God had given him. And you and I got to do the same thing. See, I understand that by right, Jesus has purchased every life in the city, but I don't see that. To see it, I've got to actually let God open my eyes to what he has done and get faith in my heart that we would see not just 100 or 200, but 300, then 400, then 500. We begin to see a region that's starting to be touched by the power of God. And that will only happen if every one of us, wherever we are, begins to believe God. I'm an heir of, I'm a child of Abraham. I'm an heir. This place belongs to me. I don't belong to the devil. I'm going to find a way to get in there and do something to change it. Now you say, well, you can do something to change it. You can do something to change it. You can, if God can work through you. 